Very good morning to all of you. Some time ago, I read the book, Your New Money Mindset. The book is co-authored by Brent Hewitt, and he's a financial planner, and Jean Molin, a psychologist. Pulling together the expertise in the field of finance and psychology, they have come out with the 5S attitude towards money. Allow me to share them with you. The 5S, surviving, struggling, stable, secure, and surplus. Let me go through it one by one with you. First one, surviving. They estimated that about 6% of U.S. Christians are the surviving, having the surviving uh, mindset. The surviving, they, f- they feeling drained, trapped, with little sense of hope. The people who are surviving worry about meeting the basic needs of life, and every bit of what they earn goes to daily survival. And most in this group require financial assistance to get by. Number two, the struggling, about 11% of U.S. Christians, feeling strapped in the presence and worry for the future. The people who are struggling live paycheck to paycheck, or worse, getting deeper into in debt. Three, number three, the stable, 32%. Feeling okay, experiencing relative calm, but hoping for more. The people who are stable don't feel secure yet and likely aren't as generous as they could be. They describe themselves as just making ends meet. Number four, secure. 38%, feeling mostly confident. Those in this group feel they have enough for themselves, but probably not enough to share generously. As their income grows, so do their lifestyle expenses. So they perpetually have just enough, with only a little extra. They can be enslaved to saving as the strugglers are to debt. And finally, the surplus, 13%, feeling grateful and ready to give. The surplus group believe they have more than enough. They display a high level of contentment even if their lifestyle is average or even below. Their purchases match their needs not the income. They feel grateful. They are ready to share. And most of them joyfully give away more than 10% of their gross income. Please note that your attitude towards money is not determined by the amount of money you have or don't have, though it can be affected by it. You can have a high income, yet struggle. Or you can have a modest income, 
yet feel secure. So it's not determined by the amount of money you have or don't have. The attitude towards money or your money mindset is dependent on how you view what you have and what you do with it. Many people with modest incomes live with a surplus mindset and are generous. The poor widow who gave the two mites has a surplus mindset. Despite her poverty, she was able to give. Parents and grandparents often display a surplus mindset towards their children and grandchildren. They desire to give to their children and grandchildren regardless of their financial status. They consider it a joy to give. I have the privilege to know several people who live with a surplus mindset. They are generous in giving and blessing others with food, goodies and gifts. They are especially generous in helping those who are in need. Let's pause a moment now and ask ourselves, which of the five S best describes us? Surviving, struggling, stable, skilled, or surplus? Which describes us? Let's now consider the money mindset of the Macedonian Christians recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 9. Let's look at verses 1 to 4 first. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, the abundance of joy and the extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. What do you think? Which of the five S best describes the Macedonian Christians? Remember, our money mindset isn't determined by how much we have. A surplus mindset is a conscious choice to think and act about what we have. It means deciding that we have enough for ourselves and enough to share. The Macedonian Christians were not rich, yet they were generous. They gave as much as they were able and even beyond their abilities. They definitely displayed a surplus mindset. The surplus mindset of the Macedonian Christians is not just about money matters, but also in life perspective. 
overflowing joy despite severe trial, rich generosity despite extreme poverty, gave beyond their means. And they even pleaded for the privilege to share, the privilege to give. What is the secret of the surplus mindset of the Macedonian Christians? Obviously, the grace of God. If you had noticed, the verses that I put on the PowerPoint, I actually highlighted the word grace, the grace of God. The generosity of the Macedonian Christians is grounded in the grace of God. Let's look at verses 5-9. to And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestly, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. NIV translated this act of grace here, grace of giving. That's where I got my sermon title, the grace of giving. Giving is considered an act of grace because it is motivated by the grace of the Lord. It is also made possible by the grace of God. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verses 8 to 9 continue on to say, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. The Macedonian Christians had experienced the grace of the Lord. They had experienced the joy in the Lord. In response, they gave to the Lord and then to others. Today is Pledge Sunday. Let's pray for God to grant us the surplus mindset. Let's grow in the grace of giving. In terms of giving, it's not just our giving to the church, not just limited to our pledges, also our giving to others, especially our giving to those who are in need. I would suggest three ways that can help us grow in the grace of giving. One, we need to be other-focused than self-centered. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Paul urged the thief to stop stealing, but to work, so that they may have something to share with anyone in need. This verse gives us a new perspective on work. We work not just so that we can provide for ourselves and 
for our families. We work also so that we can share with those in need. In fact, I know the people who decided to work beyond their retirement so that they can give to others, so that they can give to the kingdom cause. So it's not just work so that we can accumulate well for ourselves so that we can you know, support ourselves and our family, but also to give to others, to share with others. John Wesley maintained the same standard of living even when his income increased over the years. The very first year when he started working, he got a certain amount and he lived according to that. And over the years, as his salary increased, his income increased, he continued to maintain the same standard of living. Unlike John Wesley, we raise our standard of living when our income increases. For instance, we used to use soap. Now I think very few people use soap. We use shower gel. We used to use cheap pots. Now we use AMC stainless steel pots or some other expensive pots. There are so many that have been coming out in the market. We used to have a, just a simple vacuum cleaner. Now we had the rainbow vacuum cleaner or we had the Dyson vacuum cleaner. We used to have vacation in Malaysia. Now we have venture to America, Europe, Australia, New Zealand, and other exotic places. I'm also in this group. <laughs> I cannot, you know, follow John Wesley. To really, over the year, I also see that I don't use soap. Also, I use a shower gel, and I don't use those Good Morning Tower anymore. Remember the Good Morning Tower? Oh, uh, now we use a uh, tower uh, using Egyptian cotton. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with raising our standard of living. In fact, we thank God you know, for blessing us. However, we are not to just focus on ourselves. We are not to just think of our own enjoyment only. As our income increases, we should set a level for our standard of living and choose to live beyond our means so that we can free up our money for God's work and we can free up money to meet the needs of others. We should forego some of the things we want, give the money to others so they can have what they need. In fact, Anglican Church has a very good tradition and during the land season, we always had this uh, set aside money. We call it the, the, the money funds. So during the whole 40 days period, we were asked to forego some of our enjoyment. You know, for example, if we're thinking of going for a movie, then we okay, we will forego it, set aside this money, and to give it to the poor. And we were every year. I don't know about nowadays uh, in the Anglican Church what, what they practice. Uh. In my own church, you know, as I was growing up, we would be given a, a tin, a can, and then whatever money that you know, say, oh, instead of going to movie, I will want to give it uh, to others. Then you put inside the tin, or then instead of going out for a sumptuous dinner, I will forgo that and put the money in it, and then at the end. 
of the Lent season on Sun, uh, on Easter Sunday, everybody will bring the cans to the church and gave it to the Lord and then use it to bless those who are in need in our community. I thought that was a very, very good tradition. So it reminds ourselves that we are not to just think of ourselves. You know, we can forego what we want so that others can have what they need. I'm not sure whether um, in the Singapore Anglican Church whether they practice that. Yeah, but that is a tradition that I really treasure and value. And they taught me, you know, precious lessons. Okay, so this is number one. Is one way we can to uh, grow in our grace of living is not to just focus on our own enjoyment, but not to be so self-centered, but we have to think of others as well. Number two is to have a mindset of gratitude then entitlement. First Chronicle 29, verse 14, a verse that we are so familiar with. In fact, in many churches, uh, during the offering time, you will sing this. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you and of your own have we given you. As I was growing up in a church, you know, we used to sing it in Chinese, uh, the song, based on this verse. As we give the offering, we will sing, and that all things come from you, and of you, and of your own have we given you. And then Deuteronomy verse, uh, chapter 8, verses 17 to 18, the first part of it. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So we are to recognize that what we have comes from God. We should not think that we are entitled to use our money as we please just because we work hard for it. We are God's stewards. We are not the owner of all that we have. We are to use our money as God desired it to be used. We are to be thankful for what God has given us. We are to consider how we can bless others as God has blessed us so richly. And number three is to have faith in God and to provide then, uh, to have faith in God to provide than to be afraid of scarcity. Second Corinthians 9.8 And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Giving is not only just an act of grace. Giving is an act of faith. Just like today, when you pledge, it's an act of faith as well. You put down on the pledge card the amount that you want to pledge God in the following, in the coming year. And you have the faith that God will grant you the ability to continue, you know, to uh, earn and that you will be able to be able to fulfill your, your pledge. That is an act of faith. The freedom to give very much depends on where our security lies. There are many people today who are trusting their bank accounts rather than God. They have placed their security and trust in something other than God. They place their security 
and money. And the irony is, we even call the money, the funds, securities and trusts. Isn't that strange? That tells a lot. We call our funds, we call our money securities. We call them trusts. But our trust should be in God and not in the money. We should place our trust, our security on God rather than on our savings. There's the need to save for every stage of our lives. For the fresh graduates, you have to save for marriage, you have to save for a marital home. For the married, especially when you become parent, you have to save for children, for childcare, for education, or even for the care of the aged parents. And for those that have empty nesters when your children finally you have fulfilled, you know, your responsibility of bringing up your children and providing them with a good education, time for you to save for your retirement, especially for health care. So every stage of life, there's a need to save. That if our security lies in our savings, we will never feel that we have saved enough. We will tend to keep our money for ourselves. We will not be free to give. Of course, it's prudent for us to save, yet our security is not in our savings. Our security is in God. And we trust in his provision. And then when our trust is in God, when we have the faith that God will provide for us, we will have the freedom to give. I would like to close with two examples. One negative and one positive. The negative examples first. W.A. Criswell tells of an ambitious young man who told his pastor he had promised God a tithe of his income. So they prayed for God to bless his career. At that time, he was making $40 per week, so he tithed $4 per week. In a few years, his income increased, and he was tithing $500 per week. He called on the pastor to see if he could be released from his tithing promise. It was too costly for him. He felt the pinch. The pastor replied, I don't see how you can be released from your promise. But we can ask God to reduce your income to $40 a week. Then you had no problem tithing the $4. Now the positive example. J.L. Kraft, you know the Kraft cheese set we eat? The, uh, of the Kraft Cheese Corporation, he had given approximately 25% of his enormous income to Christian causes for many years. And he said, the only investment I ever made which has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money I had given to the Lord. May we grow in the grace of giving. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the reminder that giving is an act of grace. Giving is motivated by your grace, 
we have experienced the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that we, by his poverty, might become rich. In gratitude, we learn to give to others, especially to those in need. Giving is also enabled by your grace. We need your grace to care for others and not just to focus on ourselves. We need your grace to be free to give and not to hoard for ourselves. We pray, O Lord, help us to grow in the grace of giving. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.